hey, let's can we just thank them for leading us in worship this morning? I will say this, y'all get all clappy when he starts hitting those high notes and stuff. When he takes the roof off of this joint, you're going to have to pay for it, not me. So we got to be careful with that. John 15, uh, you're with me, uh, verses 1 through 11. We may go a little further. Depends on how froggy I'm feeling. Uh, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that, he, that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it, may be, that it may bear more fruit. Already you're clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing if anything if anyone does not abide in me he's thrown away like a branch and he withers and the branches are gathered thrown into the fire and burned if you abide in me and my word abides in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you but this by this my father is glorified that you may bear much fruit And so proved to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. We announced to the kids in January of 2017 that we were going to move to Texas, and that involved a lengthy conversation between Hope and myself. And that conversation involved her saying, what do you think that we should do? I said, I guess we just load them in the van and go. Uh, And as she quickly let me know that that was not the best way to parent children, uh, which is her the recurring role that she has in my life. And as she shared this with me, uh, she said, I think we should do a scavenger hunt. So we'll take a variety of things that are associated with the state of Texas that our kids are familiar with, and we'll announce at the very end that we're going to move. So we collected various things, some of them that they would be familiar with, others that they would not be as familiar with, but Texas things. So my kids, my boys particularly, are huge sports fans, so we took the uh, insignias of the various sports teams in the state of Texas. We took the Dallas Cowboys star. Uh, We also took the Houston Texans uh, logo. We all... Added to that, a picture of Akeem Elijah one, because evidently we were going to travel backwards in time. Uh, We had other things that were associated with Texas in regard to sports. We then took uh, some various things that the state of Texas offers that are specific to the state of Texas. uh, Like the, the Dr. Pepper symbol. And Whataburger. And Bluebell, because evidently, if you're going to live in Texas, you're not going to live for long. And with these numerous things, the kids walk through the house because all of these are associated in some way with my current home state, where I live now, and where you live. And as they walk through these things, they 
you just kind of saw a light come on, especially with Shepard and Charlie. And Shepard says, wait a second, are we going to visit Texas? And I said, yes, for a very long time we're going to visit Texas. So we had to deal with that. And we just use the various things that we look at that symbolize Texas. For the nation of Israel, it's the vine. That is what had always been associated with who Israel is and and how Israel was to be what they were supposed to be. Jesus is walking along in John chapter 15 uh, around the Garden of Gethsemane and as he walked with the disciples, they would pass the temple. And over the temple, there was this vine that was a symbol for all of Israel. Because the vine was Israel. And very much like if you are a recovering Baptist like myself, the uh, church members would, uh, the church members will add various things to your church and they'll put their name on it. Uh, Rich Jewish people would add clusters of grapes to the vine of Israel that was over the temple. It was this elaborate display for them because the Jewish people had always and forever associated we are what God intends for us to be. We are the vine and he will do all that he will do in and through us. Israel was the vine and there's lots of scripture that would help us to to see and associate Israel with the vine. But in verse 1, we see where Jesus takes this historic identity of Israel and he shifts it. Now no longer are those who are in relationship with Yahweh in relationship with Yahweh because of the vine that is Israel. We are in relationship with God through Jesus. Uh, We actually see that. If you're a note taker, there will be things on the screen for you. Jesus actually says in verse 1, he shows us that he is the vine. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Jesus said this to point to the people who were listening and to show us that the true rescuer for God, as far as God's rescue plan for all of history and humanity, is not the nation of Israel. They were just a a way that he would carry this mission forward. But that true rescuer has come to us in the person of of Jesus. God has reminded us of all the problems with Israel being seen as the vine throughout the Old Testament. And here, Jesus clarifies for us as followers of God, as those who would be in right relationship with Yahweh, the the God of the Bible that comes in and only in Jesus. That union begins, uh, that union that we have with Christ, it begins with His initiative. That's what the scriptures teach us. God came down to meet with us, God chose to be with us. It was sealed for us in His death, and it is completed by believers. Like God is completing His mission, carrying out His mission, even now, as those who have been assimilated into God's people through Jesus, we carry out His mission to the ends of the earth by loving our neighbors and the nations. Through love and obedience. Jesus, however, is our identity. For all of us who know God, we know God in and only in, through and only through the person that we have experienced in Jesus.
we actually see this as well. Uh, Jesus is our identity. And then Jesus goes into this lengthy conversation about what it means to bear fruit. Christ is our identity. And if you are in Christ, fruit bearing is your responsibility. That's a huge Jewish idea as well. It's customary terminology. In Isaiah chapter 5, you would read, and you feel free to take a note and read it later, verses 1 and 2, you see the importance of bearing fruit and what that means for the nation of Israel. And this is what Isaiah actually writes. Let, my sing, let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it, and he hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. Is there a problem with wild grapes? Well, it, it, there is a problem with wild grapes in that those grapes do not work optimally. Here's what Isaiah would eventually say in verse 7. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And God looked for justice. That would be a fruit that we would bear, to be a people who symbolize justice in our everyday lives. But when God looked to his people for justice, he saw that they were shedding blood. I looked for righteousness, but behold, there was no righteousness, there was an outcry. So Jesus, in our, God has spoken to us through Isaiah, and he said, this is what I would ask for. This is what I would have for my people, that they would be just and they would be righteous. Yet when I look at the nation of Israel, I don't see justice, nor do I see righteousness. I actually see bloodshed and anger and rage. What do people see when they look at you? When they have conversations with you? How do we manifest who Jesus is? No, there, Paul will actually say to us, Paul who knew a lot about the Old Testament and a lot about the New Testament too since he wrote most of it, says this, that this is, these are the fruits of the Spirit in the book of Galatians. Love... Joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. These inward fruits to be bore are what Jesus seems to be looking for in us. Because when these inward fruits are things that we bear, then the outward fruit that we would hope to see as a congregation, that we would hope to see as believers personally, those things begin to take place. Now, I've got to be really careful with you because I, I want you to know that Jesus is not looking for perfection. Like that, That's not what's happening here. God's not looking for these perfected fruits in any of us because you will never be per perfectly loving or perfectly joyful or perfectly self-giving. You, you'll never be perfectly just or perfectly kind or perfect, perfectly gentle. But what God would have you and I to see be is present in all these things be present in us where do we make manifest these things 
As John writes to us in verses 2 and 3, every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Do you see the unique separation that's taking place there? There's some that don't bear fruit. And those that don't bear fruit, we're, we're going to get rid of them. Because they're not really in. But for those that do bear fruit, we see that there's cutting that takes place. I don't know if you, if you work like me. I don't typically know how to do things. But I will um, look for how to do things on YouTube. How many of you guys have ever started a DIY project because of the city of Waco? Uh, by Google, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, like... We Waco, cinnamon roll. So we, you Google how to do things and, and YouTube provides for you a video of how whatever that thing is should be done. Anybody? Just me. All right. So we don't want to pay to have somebody else do it. We, we would rather make it worse before we pay for someone to fix it. So I Googled vine pruning. And this is how many hits that I got. 20,800,000. Look, there's no way those YouTube clowns know how to do this. There's no way that many people understand this. But when you look at the text and you see what Jesus is saying to us, he's saying to us uh, that we, if we are in Jesus, will be pruned. So how do we know that God is pruning us? How do you and I realize and see that God is doing a work in us to, to shape us? We realize that God is pruning us when things happen that cause us to rely on Him more. We realize that we're being pruned when, when we see that our strength is not really our strength. Look, I, I don't want to go into... Uh, from stage, all that people in our congregation are walking through right now, but there are believers in this room who, just from the story, they tell God is pruning them. Making them more like the vine dresser. Look, people say about Christianity some dumb stuff. One of my least favorite phrases is that following Jesus is the easiest decision you'll ever make. That's not true. It's just not true because when we decide to follow Jesus, we are submitting ourselves to something. And in submitting ourselves to that, we are part of a life-changing decision. And as a result of that, those, that decision impacts every decision you'll make from that point forward. That's a false truth. Look, nobody wants the knife. Nobody wants to, to be pruned. But the pruning that we go through as followers of Jesus, we do see on the other side that we're more like him. Piper is one of my favorite pastors, and he, he points out how most of the time that we believe that God is a, an ambulance driver, just running from wreck and carnage to wreck and carnage. But God is not like that. God is in actuality the surgeon. 
the surgeon who is cutting out of us what needs to be cut out of us, removing what needs to be removed, fixing what needs to be fixed. And that is a painful process. That's why they give you lengths of time for your recovery. But that pain, that pain is part of the holistic healing that's coming. Uh, you actually see that in, in the Psalms. David references the positive outcomes of his affliction. If you're a note taker, Psalm 119, verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Psalm 119, 71. Uh, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I may learn your decrees. James says this. James, the half-brother of Jesus. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. Of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. One of my, uh, another one of my favorite theologians, N.T. Wright, he's Anglican, so imagine this being said in a British accent while I finish my fish and chips. The vine dresser is never closer to the vine, giving more attention to its long-term health than when he has the knife in his hand. Whatever you're walking through, and I know that there are people walking through difficult, hard things, even in this room right now, God has not forgotten you. He is present. He is for you. He loves you. Fruit bearing, as we read through this passage, it's the main emphasis of the passage. We see it in verses 2, 4, 5, and 8. Who do we appreciate? It is there. And God would have us to see that whatever we are being, however He is shaping, however He is trimming, however He is cutting, it is so that our fruit would bear correctly, properly, and to its full effect. Fruit bearing is our responsibility. And God's going to shape us, and fruit should be bore. What what are those fruits that we talked about? Are being shaped in you. So, so just for simple question, for simple question's sake, how many of you remember the day where you followed Jesus? If you want to throw your hand up, that's cool. Anybody, let's just do that. I remember. Or whenever that season was. How many of you are more like Jesus now than you were then. So, so you think through that. You don't throw your hands up. In those areas, how many of you have better self-control since the day you chose to follow Jesus? How many of you are more gentle? That's a hard one for men. We don't talk about gentleness a lot. But how many of us are more gentle today than we were the day we chose to follow Jesus? How many of us are more peaceful? How many of us are more loving? Well, why do I ask these things? Because if none of those things are there, you may need to ask yourself if you're a Christian. What? You mean if I, you don't mean that if I come to church on the third Sunday of July, that that definitely makes me a believer? No. It means you woke up early. More than likely, it means that you ate... A, a cup that was too big for the three donut holes we put in it. But we are not believers in Jesus because of the things that we do or the places where we show up. We bear fruit 
as we rely on Jesus. We actually see that in the text. It takes us there. Uh, abiding is our sustainability. Go with me, verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. So I joke with Jared all the time. Uh, and I joke with you guys about how fantastically talented Jared is. He can sing, he can dance, he's a triple threat. He does all the things. Um, so, uh, but I can't sing very well. Now I keep promising Jared that if he needs me to sing with him one Sunday that I will offer up my gifts. If you walked in too early this morning, you heard me singing Beulah Land in the hallway, which was painful. Uh, Beulah Land, if you're not familiar with the song, it's okay, Just you're good. Uh, we, we, it's a song we sing a lot. But I tell Jared all the time, if he needs me to sing, I will. The problem with that is I don't have that ability. I can't sing. I can't carry a tune in a large bucket, like a Texas-sized bucket. And everything's bigger here. But what if Jared has an ability that you don't know that he has? What if Jared can transfer his singing ability to whoever stands on the stage? So what if when we're in this room, I ask Jared to sit in a certain seat and he sits in the back, not in the old back that we got rid of that you still judge me for. But he's on the very back row. And, and as I sing, as long as I'm looking at Jared, wherever Jared happens to be, and he's right here, it is fantastic. And you think, man, Chad's gotten really good. Chad's voice is so much better than we expected it to be. Chad doesn't sound like uh, someone ordering at Taco Bell, and on the other end, they think he's a woman. Chad <laughs> is incredible. That's something I walk through a lot. <laughs> but every moment that I take my eyes off of Jared, that song that sounds so sweet ceases to sound sweet. Every time I'm staring there, not in a weird way, but in a, like a not weird way, I'm connected to the ability that he has because he transfers that to me. But when I look away, that ability is non-existent. Abide in me. Look, this is pretty simple. Like, this is base-level Christianity that we all miss from time to time. Do you want to look like Jesus? Then spend time looking to Jesus. If you're not concerned with looking like Jesus, then don't worry about Jesus. Straying away from the source of our strength is the pitfall for Christians everywhere. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch 
and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. And if you abide in me, and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish, and I will do for you. And I will, and whatever you wish, it will be done for you. If you're a note taker, feel free to write these two things down. Abiding separates real followers from false ones. Abiding in Jesus separates really following Jesus from falsely following Jesus. That's not me, that's Jesus. He says that in verse 6. And abiding shapes our asking. So as we are leaning into the person of Jesus, He will shape the way that we ask Him to do things. So as we spend time in Scripture and spend time interacting with God in prayer, as we spend time in scenarios that show that we're accountable to one another, Jesus will shape the way that we converse with Him. Verse 8, By this my Father is glorified that you may bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Jesus wants us to bear fruit and the things that we walk through to get to the point where we bear fruit rightly as hard as they may be as difficult as they may seem those things are necessary for us to function optimally because the spirit of life in Jesus like it is on full display, not by our gathering, but by our scattering. Our conduct in this community says much more about Jesus than what parking lot you pull into on a Sunday morning. So when... I'm, it's unfathomable to me for us to look at the... Places we go, as Dr. Seuss would say. And when we get to said places, though we would claim to follow Jesus, wear shirts that you are given about following Jesus, bumper sticker your car up about following Jesus, and then when you get to the ball field, you act like an utter clown... Or when you get to work... You don't want to be around the very people God has shown you and told you to bear fruit in front of. Our conduct does not save us. But our conduct says that we're saved. We put exclamation points on all of the Christian gibberish that we may speak. When the life that we live says that fruit is there. Abiding, that's how you hold fast. That's how you sustain. Why? Because love is our opportunity. You see that in verses 9 through 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. 
That word abide, it's just over and over, right? Remain in it, remain in it, remain in it, remain in it. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Our love for God prepares us to love others. The great commandment that Jesus gives in Matthew and in Mark chapter 12 is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. One. That's commandment one. But there is a commandment that comes right alongside of that. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. That's from Leviticus chapter 19. And, and, and I believe that if we were to evaluate the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, the struggle to love was there for them. This practical demonstration of a love for God. And then if I were to look at us as a church, and, and churches very much like us, the practical demonstration of love for God seems to be what is missing when things are missing. Love of God and the love of man for God's sake go side by side, hand in hand. They are together like Ramalama and Ding Dong. These are connected things. And for us to not see that our love for the Father, show the love of the Father, is for us to disconnect and differentiate and categorize a Christianity that does not to be, need to be disconnected, differentiated, or categorized. These flow from one another. God has given us an opportunity to love one another. Well, who do we love? You actually see that in, in verses 12 through 17. As I mentioned earlier, I was going to go a little bit further. This isn't in the notes, but it's in the Bible. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no, man, has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my, friend, my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you my friends for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Now this idea of loving one another is both interior and exterior to what we now call the church. The love that Jesus calls us to for one another is him telling the disciples, Hey you dummies, love one another because you will be mad and you will be angry and you will be frustrated and something needs to hold you together and that is a love that you have for one another. However, this interior love among the church, it overflows into those who are not part of the church. So that, that we would see that there is a hope of them being made part of, grafted into the love that God has provided us in Jesus. 
because this whole vine illustration is very, very much about grafting. It, one of the things that I have learned about pruning and, and vines and things that I don't know anything about, but things that I can show you a YouTube video about, is this. Various other, gra or other grapes can be grafted into the same vine. So you can have a variety of things that are not part of the original vine that are made part of that. So when you look at the nation of Israel, now fully manifest in Jesus, what we see, what, we dem what is demonstrated is this is the vine. Jesus is the true vine. Yet the grapes that are produced are no longer just Israeli grapes, Jewish grapes. We see that believers from around the world are now coming around the true vine that is Jesus. If we were to look in South America right now, there are pockets of, of the Christian church that would not manifest itself the way that we do here at Grace Bible that are united to the vine that is Jesus. If we were to look into China right now, there are churches popping up all over, grafted into the vine that is Jesus. They do not sing the way that we sing. They do not function the way that we always function. But when they are sourced in the vine that is Jesus, we begin to see that they're producing fruit. We, we see this all over the world right now. We see this in various cultures within our own country as people are coming to faith in Jesus. We and what we find, sadly is that there are many who would say that they were connected to the vine that have withered away. The uniting force of Christianity is the person of Jesus. It's not how we vote. It's not how we don't vote. It's not who, who we follow on social media and who we don't follow on social media. The vine that produces true Christianity is Christ. So, we are called to love one another so that that love for one another would impact and affect those who come into contact with us. Who in your life needs to be loved? Because what we find as we spend time in the scriptures is if there are those who do not have relationship with Jesus, then they will spend eternity separate from him. And my prayer would be that we would demonstrate these fruits of Jesus in this community so that people would see that there is hope there. And that hope is not you, but it's in who you are manifesting. So here's what I want us to do this morning. I want you to just bow your heads kind of right where you are as opposed to bowing your head somewhere else. I'll ask the questions that have been presented. Is Jesus your identity? Are you sustaining that identity because you are abiding in Him? Looking to Him? Focusing on Him? Are you trusting the pruning process so that you will bear fruit?
And are you demonstrating love because that's the opportunity that God gives? Jesus, we're going to sing to you. And we're going to pray over those in our lives who need to know you. God, if there are any in here who do not trust you, I pray that they will see that they are separate from the source even now, the source of life and everything else, and they will place their faith in you. For those of us who make up the body of believers at Grace Bible, let us see what it means to bear fruit out of love. We ask all this in Jesus' name. I'm in the back corner if you need me.